the curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Defend So good to see you this evening. We're glad that you're here at Victory Christian Fellowship, and we just want to welcome you tonight. If you're watching online, we say welcome to you as well. It's a good night to be in God's house and to be amongst people of like precious faith. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we just believe you for big things, great things, awesome things. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you have given us your ability, your authority, and your name to use in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy. 
appreciative of your presence and your glory and your goodness and Lord we thank you that you speak to us I have placed within you a well that will never run dry, springing up into eternal life. Drink from that well when you're weary. Drink from that well when you're weak. Drink from that well and you will find refreshing and you will find blessing because I have given it to you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, amen. You may have your seats. What a great and wonderful night to be here. Glory to God. We're glad that you're here. And if you're watching, we're glad you're watching. Whenever you watch this, share it with your friends. Like it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just want to let you know, men, can I get a who from the men? All right, this Saturday, last Saturday of the month, we're having our Barnabas group. That's our men's uh, meeting. Barnabas means son of encouragement. And we want to encourage men in their faith. We want to encourage men in victory. Amen. We want to encourage men to be champions for God. 
So this Saturday at 8.30 a.m., wow, it's, we're already at the end of May. Oh, glory to God. So uh, come out, men. We eat good. We fellowship richly, and we have a great time. So 8.30 Saturday, just come on. Hallelujah. Amen. And, uh, of course, you can give tonight any time that you so desire, any time during the service. You know, uh, giving is your... Uh, your part for keeping your covenant that God made. Yes. Amen? And uh, God established the rule of uh, taking care of his house and taking care of his things and doing his work uh, through giving. Amen? And uh, God will never force you to give, but he, he gives you the opportunity to give. And uh, he promises blessing in return. So uh, I declare, Father, that tonight... Every giver is a blessed giver. I speak the blessing over them that God's face would shine upon them. He would be gracious to them and give them peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. And Lord, you will bless them indeed. And I thank you, Lord, that they are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, tonight... You have entered the recovery room. And God has anointed you to recover what was lost. You know, in this world, we can experience loss. And there's an enemy that we have who... His main purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, yeah, so we want to dismiss the kids. I've been away for a week. I'm a, hallelujah. I'm kind of wound up. So we're going to dismiss our kids for our kids' lives. So kids, have a good class. I want to thank uh, Pastor Nelson and... Reverend Steve Hoffman for filling in for us while we were gone. We were celebrating a graduation at Rama and other things. And it was good to see Gabriel and Sean, hallelujah, and uh, Kelly and Zach, praise God. We got a lot invested in Rama, amen? So, But it's good to be back, hallelujah. Say, I'm in the recovery room. Say, God, God has anointed me to recover. Anything that was lost. Yeah, you're anointed to recover what was lost. See, we have an enemy whose purpose is to steal, right? He wants to steal stuff from you. He wants to steal your time. He wants to steal your resources. He wants to steal your energy so that he can kill you and ultimately destroy you, right? He can't kill or destroy unless he can steal from you. And he will try to steal, but we got a God who's a recovery specialist. You know, maybe you've lost your joy, but you can recover your joy. Psalm 51, verse 12. David prayed. Psalm 51, 12, he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Yes. 
So if maybe you've experienced something that caused you to lose your joy. You can get your joy back. Did you know that your joy doesn't come from what you lost? It comes from God. That means you can recover joy no matter where you are. And no matter what happened. David prayed that his joy would be restored. You can recover your health. Maybe some people have lost their health. They've lost their capacity to live at 100% operating capacity. Maybe you're at 50%. God doesn't want, God's not a 50% God. He's a 100% God. You can recover your health. Psalm 103, verse 3. The Lord forgives all your diseases and he heals. Um, he forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. How many? So if you have a disease, a disease steals your time, steals your energy, but the Lord comes along and heals you. He, re- he helps you recover from the lost. Amen? You may need to recover your purpose. You got so caught up in the world that you lost your purpose. You know, everybody was born with a God-given purpose. But if you're not saved, you've lost your purpose. Or if you walked away from God, you've lost your purpose. Paul thought his purpose was to persecute Christians until he met the author of his purpose. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And God said, he's a chosen vessel unto me to preach the gospel to Gentiles, kings, and the Jews. Amen? His purpose was restored. You don't have to wander about this planet wondering what you need to do. You've got a God who created you with a purpose for a purpose. You need to connect with your God-given purpose. That's why you're on this planet. You're on this planet to fulfill the purpose that God has given you. Amen? This is not a joyride. Life is not a joyride. It's a fulfilling divine purpose endeavor. Hmm? Yes. You can recover your insight in 2 Kings 617. 2 Kings 617. Elisha prayed for his servant who couldn't see the protection that was around Elisha. He said, Lord, I pray that he would open his eyes to see. His insight was recovered. And when his eyes were opened, he saw something that was there, but he just couldn't see it. But once his eyes were opened, he saw chariots of fire around Elisha. I'm going to get around Elisha. Amen? But something was there, but he just couldn't see it. He needed his eyes open to see it. God's an eye-opener, God. Amen? Oh, maybe some are weak. Guess what? When you're weak, you can recover your strength. Strength is renewable energy. 
in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 30, it says, wait on the Lord and you shall renew your strength. That means you came to the Lord when you were weak. See, this world, just getting in the activities of the world can wear you out. But God will strengthen you. He will, you can recover strength. If you've lost strength, you can recover strength. Amen? How many know that you can recover life? If you've lost a life, you can recover life. Why? God's the author of life. He said in 1 Corinthians 6.11, he said, you've been washed You are sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's given you a new life. You are a new creature. Life can be renewed. How many have ever seen a person that flatlined, but then they had some power attached to them and they came back? Amen. If you've lived a whole hum, humdrum life, you can live an exciting life. God will help you recover excitement in your life. You know that you can recover if you've lost your way. You can recover your way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Some people need to recover their way. Amen? It's okay to make a U-turn when you're going the wrong way. God God has put a change of direction in his plans. If you're going the wrong way, you can turn around and go the right way. If you're on the wrong track, you can get on the right track. Hallelujah. Maybe you've lost your dreams or your desire or your destiny, but God can recover dreams. He can recover that desire that you once had but don't have anymore. It can be gotten again. In Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, verse 25, he says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar and the palmer were my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty. God is a restorer of dreams, desires, and destinies. There are things that eat at your dreams. But God can restore a dream. He said, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Can you say amen? We don't ever have to be ashamed in following God. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Matter of fact, we need to be more bold about it. In verse 27, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 20, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. God needs to restore you so that he can fill you. I want to talk to you tonight about a, 
a man in the Bible that suffered a loss, but he recovered quickly. Say quickly. How many want to recover quickly? Well, you can recover quickly from any loss that you may incur. All right? In 1 Samuel chapter 30, it speaks of the man named David. And this was before he was king. David was on the run. He was a fugitive who was running from Saul because Saul was jealous and Saul disobeyed God and Saul lost his anointing. And because he lost the anointing of God, an evil spirit filled the void and he tormented Saul and he put it in Saul's heart that he wanted to kill David because Saul heard that Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And that drove Saul crazy. You know, the devil attracts crazy. And David had these men who were depressed, disheartened, and in despair got to David. They were in debt, in despair, and disheartened. But they became mighty men. And they did great exploits. So David, he thought in his heart, in, in 1 Samuel 27, 1, 1 Samuel 27, 1, it says this, that David decided in his heart, he said, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me that I should do, uh, there's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more at any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. You know, David just wanted to find relief. He was tired of running here, running there, although Saul could never catch him. And David refused to kill him because he honored, even though Saul was not anointed, he was still in the position. As far as David was concerned, he was the anointed king, and he was going to honor that no matter how Saul behaved. Okay, and he did. So uh, the, the news got to Saul that David was in the Philistines, so Saul didn't pursue him anymore. Okay? So now he got relief. And he was, David had uh, sided himself with the king of Gath. You know who was from Gath? Goliath was from Gath. But David had sided himself with the king Achish, who was the king of Goth or Gath. And David and his 600 men, they lived there. And David, he was a corporate raider. He would conduct raids on other people and he would 
plunder them and take the goods. And that's how he got his income. He was a corporate raider. Okay? And so he asked Akish, he said, if I, if I have found favor in your sight, would you give me my own city where we can live, where we don't have to live with you? And so Akish gave David the town or the city of Ziklag. So David now had a headquarters where he could do his corporate raiding from. He had 600 employees. And, and they would go out and they would raid and plunder and they would come back and Akish would say, where have you gone, David? And David wouldn't be honest with Akish. And so Achish thought, boy, Israel really hates David because he's fighting his people. He's going to be my servant forever. But David was really uh, going against people that were uh, for Achish. <laughs> you can read the story. I don't have time to go into all the details. So one day, David was gathered with Achish because the Philistines were going to fight against Israel. And the lords of the Philistines, they said, oh, no, no, we don't want David here because he may turn against us in the battle. Tell him to go home. So Achish told David that you need to go because the lords aren't, they don't really trust you. He says, you've, you've done nothing wrong. I believe in you, but you need to go. So David and his men headed back Three days back to Ziklag. And let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. This is, this is a recovery class tonight. And you're going to learn how to recover quickly. You don't have to have 10 steps to recover quickly. You can recover. You make a decision that you're going to recover. You can recover now. First Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag, now they had been with Achish, and it was a three days journey back. On the third day, you know, some good things happen on the third day. On the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Well, all the men who lived in Ziklag were with Achish and David, all the protectors, all the guardians, all the soldiers. It was easy pickings for the enemy to come in. You know, he's sneaky. He's subtle, right? He comes in when you least expect it. He comes in when your guard is down. And they came back to Ziklag. And it was burned with fire. Verse 2. And they had taken the women captives that were there. They slew, they didn't kill anybody, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So the, while David was gone, the Amalekites came in, they took the women, they took the children, and they burned the city, and David's men are coming back to this mess. One time, 
My, my grandparents, on my mom's side, they lived on a farm. And every winter, they would uh, go down south to Texas, near the border. And they had a trailer, and they would spend the winter there. You know, you got to be as smart as a goose to go south for the winter. One year, when my grandparents were gone, someone had broken into their house. They didn't take anything, but they demolished a lot of things. They threw perfume bottles against the walls. All the rooms were messy. And, you know, I don't know what was happening because uh, someone called my mom uh, and uh, we went there and we investigated, you know, uh, and we saw the destruction while my grandparents were gone. Someone had come in, broke into their place and wreaked havoc into their home. So you can imagine that if you're away for three days and you come back and your children are gone, your wife is gone and your house is burned, you'd be pretty distraught. You'd be pretty upset. Okay, you'd, you'd probably even be beside yourself. Right? Would you say that's a problem? Would you say that's a loss? But David isn't going to stay in a lost state. He's going to find a way to recover. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Verse 4, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Because they didn't know what happened. You know, they didn't see the bodies. They just saw the smoke the smoldering buildings, maybe there was a few flames left, and they come, and it's like their heart was tore out because they're suffering this loss. And they didn't know it was happening. They came into it, and there it was, the loss. And they wept. They were distraught. They were emotional. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. That's some weeping. They were wailing. They were carrying on. They lifted up their voice. Verse 5, and David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Everybody say greatly distressed. We could all say at one point in our life, maybe we felt the same way. Maybe we experienced something that we were greatly distressed. Amen? Can I say Amen. In life, I'm sure that all of us have had this experience, not this exact experience, but the feelings that go along with this loss. Okay? David was distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. He was their leader. He was their champion. They made their way to him. He led them to battle after battle, victory after victory, overcoming after overcoming. But now they wanted to stone him. Because when your grief takes over and you get into the natural, you want to lash out at the person who's there. Right? Maybe that will alleviate the pain. Maybe that will fill the void in my heart. Let's just take care of the leader. So the people spoke of stoning him. David had no one, everybody say no one, but he wasn't alone. 
You may feel like you have no one, but you're not alone because you've got someone. Say, I've got someone. I may not have any person, but I've got someone. You can't see him, but he's there. He feels what you feel. He's ready to help. He's ready to do. So the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. You can find encouragement in God when you experience a loss, when you experience something that produces sorrow, that produces mourning, it can turn around. You don't have to stay in the mourning state. You don't have to stay in the grieving state. It can turn around. David refused to stay in the grieving state. Look. There are some things when you lose, it's okay to grieve. You just don't want to grieve too much or too long. Amen? It's okay to grieve. Jesus wept. Oh, real men don't cry. Jesus is the most realest man you'll ever meet, and he cried. So get that false theology out of your mind. Jesus cried. Say, Jesus cried. He wept at Lazarus' tomb. Shortest verse in the Bible, by the way. Two words. Jesus wept. That's a verse in the Bible. Recorded for eternity. The man who took the nails in his hands and feet and the whipping on his back and the crucifixion. He wept. It's okay to cry. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to cry. But you got to make a, a decision that you're going to get out of that mess. And, and if you don't have anybody else around you, you have got the Lord. People aren't your answer anyway. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He, he got strength from God. He was in a weakened state. He wept until he couldn't weep anymore. You know, when you weep and you can't weep anymore, you're in a weakened state. You don't feel like doing nothing. Am I right? But yet, he told his body, you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my helper. Though heaven and earth be removed, I will call on the name of the Lord. So he encouraged himself. David found strength in God. Hallelujah. Can we find strength in God? Is he a strengthener? Does he know what you're feeling when you're feeling it? Yes, he does. But he's got the answer. He's got the solution. And he's got the power to bring you out and to bring you up. He's got the power to bring you out and to bring you up. I can just imagine everybody on David's team is looking at him. Look at that fool just encouraging himself in the Lord. What is he doing? 
they, they probably weren't even paying attention to him. They were too busy in their own grief and their own sorrow. They were wallowing in the mud like a little piggy. Right? Self-pity. How come David was the only one encouraging himself in the Lord? Out of 600 people. Out of 601 people, one person was encouraging himself in the Lord. Would you be the one out of 600? I mean, the pressure on the other side was intense. I mean, all the devil had to do was point and say, look at that building. I burned it. Look at the kids. I took them. I took your wives. I've got you, buddy. You ain't got me. Say, so he ain't got me. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I feel it coming on now. This is a di- I, I need an organ behind me now. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're going to have a, you're going to have to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You're going to have to know how to pray for yourself. You're going to have to know how to praise for yourself. You're going to have to know how to worship for yourself. You're going to have to, you're going to have to put God on your, on your fast speed dial. You might be in a place where no one else can help you in the moment, but you got to do it. Say, I got to do it. So, look at verse 7. David said to Abiathar, the priest, how many know you got to tap into the priestly anointing? You are a priest and a king, by the way. God made you a priest and a king. Say, I'm a priest and a king. What does that mean? King operates by authority and a priest knows how to pray. Do we got some priests in here that know how to pray? Do we got some kings in here that can exercise and walk in their authority? You need both, the king and the priest. David was both. Why? Because it shows it right here. He says, bring me an ephod. An ephod was only something that a priest could wear. But God allowed David, the kingly priest, to wear an ephod. How many know that when you're under stress, there's some things that you can put on? Amen? You can put on the new self that's created in Christ Jesus. You can put on the full armor of God. You can put on Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. Those are things you can put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you're heavy and you're down and you don't feel like doing, you got to put on that garment of praise. And once you put on, your hands spring up. It's like put a spring in your step. You put on that garment of praise. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And sorrow starts to dissipate. And flee. So David, bring me an ephod. And Abiathar brought it there, the ephod, to David. And how many know we got to put on love? We got to put on compassion. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61.3 talks about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Did you know that there's a spirit of heaviness? The only thing that can deal with heaviness is praise. You can't wish heaviness away. You've got to praise it away. Praise 
is like an atmosphere that stinks and you, sp- you, you spray some Febreze in the atmosphere. It makes the stink go away. Praise makes the heaviness go away. If you came in here tonight heavy, your answer is praise. You start praising God and you'll feel lighter and lighter and lighter. Okay? So, David's got the ephod. He puts, he puts on Christ. Christ is our high priest. He puts it on. He's, he's getting himself ready to get out of the distress, to get out of the despair, to get out of the depression. David made a decision. I'm not going to stay in this mess. Look, there's some problems I'm facing, but I got a problem solver. I got the solution right before me. Hallelujah. Verse 8, and David inquired at the Lord. What does that mean? He asked. Everybody say ask. A-S-K. Not the food producer, but the key to getting out and the key to recovery is prayer. David, who did he inquire of? Inquiring minds want to know. He didn't inquire the National Enquirer. He inquired of the Lord. And notice he, he asked two specific questions. Okay? David is looking how he can get, how he can solve this problem. He's not looking into uh, magnifying the problem. So David inquired at the Lord saying, number one, question number one, shall I pursue after this troop, after these people who took my wives, who took my children, who took my home? See, when something happens to you, that's an attack of the enemy. You don't sit on your duff. You stand to your feet and you get ready for action. Too many Christians are sitting down. Complaining, wondering why, why it happened to me. I'm so good. I sing in church. I serve all the time. Has nothing to do with it. You're not saved by works and you're not delivered by works. You're delivered by faith. Has nothing to do with, well, works has something to do with faith, but that's not, that's another message. Shall I pursue? And... Shall I overtake? Two questions. See, when the enemy attacks you, are you going to fight back? David said, I'm going to fight back. David was a fighter. He was a warrior. You attack me, I'm going to attack you. Right? You mess with me, devil, I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to get some people saved. Okay? And he answered him. Everybody say, God answered If you want to know an answer from God, all you got to do is ask. Right? Pray. Everybody say pray. Matthew 6, 6. Matthew 6, 6. It says, when you pray, go into your most private room. Does that sound like anybody else is there? Not any other person, but Jesus is there, right? Close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Why? He, he has a secret place. 
See, it's in prayer that you go to the secret place. There's a secret place that believers can go. Right? And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? So, David, he didn't ask any of the 600 people. He, he, he went to the Lord. He went into God's presence. Right? He got an ephod. Right? And now here's the Lord's answer. David asked two questions, but God gives him three answers. How many know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think? When you ask God for a solution, he'll give you more than what you ask for. Say, God's a too much God. He's an overflowing God. Okay? Answer number one. In my Bible, it's written in red. Number one, should I pursue? Pursue. Roscoe P. Coltrane with the Duke boys. I'm in hot pursuit. This is my dog, Flash. I grew up watching the Dukes of Hazard, right? And Roscoe P. Coltrane, he was the sheriff. And he always said, I'm in hot pursuit. I'm in hot pursuit. Okay? Answer to question number one, should I pursue? God says pursue. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what God's will is. Simple question, simple answer. God's a simple God. We make him too complex. For you shall surely overtake them. Woo! You, you, okay, he told me to pursue, but now he says you will surely overtake them that's that's he oh he's talking confidence now david's like yeah yeah Yeah. and the answer that he didn't even ask and without fail you will recover what you will recover what oh oh you're going to get the Wives, you're going to get the kids, and you're going to get the goods. The sheep, the goats, the cattle, the camels. David was supercharged with faith. Where does faith come from? Hearing what? So he talked to God. God spoke to him. God speaking is God communicating his word, and everything everything that God communicates contains faith. Because God's a faith God. Right? So David had the ability, had the grace, had the authority to do what the word said. He got a direct message from God. <laughs> Roscoe P. Coltrane said, I'm getting those Duke boys tonight. <laughs> so, verse 9, David went. He and his 600 men. Now, mind you. They had just come back of a three-day journey. They get back to the broken city. Their children gone. Their houses burned. Their wives gone. They've been weeping till they can't weep anymore. And now they're in hot pursuit. And came to the brook Basor, which is not Jeff Basor, but uh, where those that were left behind. Okay, so 200 of the men were tired. They were exhausted. Those were the criers. 
They, they cried exceedingly. Okay, so he left the 200 behind. Now he's, verse 10, him and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Basor, right? And they found an Egyptian. Was this a coincidence or was this a divine intervention? Let me tell you something. When, when you pray and God gives you an answer, he's going to provide uh, things along the way that are going to help you. Amen? Because David took the word and now he's putting it into action because faith without works is dead. Right? He's acting on the word that he heard. Pursue. You will surely overtake and you're going to recover all. Woohoo! Okay, so they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David and gave him bread. He did eat and they made him drink water, gave him a piece of cake and figs, two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, drunk any water for three days and three nights. He was in bad shape. Okay? So David said unto him, to whom, where do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. What a nice master he has. This is what the devil will do to you. He will lead you along and when you're no use to him, he'll leave you along. When he's done with you, you're done. And you'd be like, why did I ever sign up for that thing? The, the servant got sick and the guy says, you're of no use to me. I'll just, you just get out of here. Okay, so uh, verse 14, we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Okay, verse 15, and David said to him, can you bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this company. God put a divine intervention. He's going to get them right to this problem is being solved quickly. This recovery is happening quickly. David didn't take 12 steps to recover. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying we, we make it so hard. All we have to do is put faith in God. He'll give you the answer and you go. That's it. So. Uh, verse 16, and when he had brought him down, behold, there were spread abroad upon the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. The Amalekites. See, when the enemy thinks he's won, he loses his guard. They didn't think that the, anybody would be pursuing them. So they're eating and drinking. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and dancing because of the great spoil. Ever say the great spoil. That great spoil was about to be dispossessed. Because God will never lead you into a battle that he won't reward you. So... Verse 17, David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. 
You don't mess with a child of God. Because I'll, I'll give you a phrase from Guyana. He'll heist you up and lick you down. The enemy is no match for a child of God. David knew God was on his side. If God be for you, who can be against you? From the twilight to the evening of the next day. That's some serious carnage. There escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. <laughs> and da- look at verse 18. David, what? What did, what did the Bible say? David recovered what? He recovered all. Say, I'm recovering all tonight. My strength. My health. My finances. My joy. My peace. My tranquility. I'm recovering it all. David recovered all that the Amalekites had recovered. That means he got more than Ziklag. Because they had taken some more stuff. He got it all. How, how many people want all? That's, that's what That's Bible. God, God, God's not telling you to take some. He wants you to take all. He wants you to recover all. It's a recovery room tonight. And, and, and David rescued his two wives. Verse 19. There was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughter, neither spoil nor anything that they they had taken. David recovered all. Everything of theirs that was stolen was intact. Everything was as it should be. Nothing was harmed. Hallelujah. Because David acted so quickly that the enemy didn't have time to harm him. Because he was going to make them slaves. Verse 20. David took all the flocks and the herds. Have you heard of David? Yeah. I I heard of him. (laughs) Which they drove before those cattle. And they said, the people who were driving the flocks, they said, this is David's spoil. Why? He was the only one that partnered with God. When you partner with God, nothing is impossible with you. When you partner with God, nothing is too hard for God. Say, this is my spoil. That's called spoil without toil. So... (laughs) They came back to the 200 men. <laughs> and all the wicked and worthless people that were with David, they said, they, they had a stingy spirit. They said, we're not going to give anything to them. If they didn't come into battle, they don't get the stuff. And David said, uh-uh, that's not right. He made a law. 
He established a precedent. He said, no, if you stay behind the stuff and other people go after the, the enemy, you get the same reward. When VCF sends me to India, you're staying by the stuff. I'm going on the front lines, but we both get the same reward. Some people plant, some people water, but it's God who gives the increase. So planting is important, watering is important, but it's God who gives the increase. Everybody has their part. Some people are on the front lines, some people are behind the scenes, but everybody has their part and everybody gets rewarded. Say everybody gets rewarded. They were just as much of David's company. I mean, they were exhausted. There was no food in Ziklag. So they had to go, they had to go with David because that's where the provisions were, but they couldn't make it physically. And uh, so David, verse 23, David said, you shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord has given us. David acknowledged the Lord as the one who gave it to him. How many know you got to acknowledge God? See, I'm recovering tonight. How are you going to recover? You're going to pray to God. You're going to get out of your depression through prayer. That's what David did. He sought the Lord. He asked the Lord. And the Lord answered him. And it was recovered quickly. Amen. There was no lag time. Hallelujah. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarries by the stuff. They shall part alike. Hallelujah. (laughs) So it was from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And so they came to Ziklag and they divided the spoil. Amen? Amen. So, Joshua, he suffered a loss at Ai. But he didn't take it sitting down. He lied down. The Bible says that he got on his face before the ark of God, and he prayed, and God said, look, you got some sin in the camp. There's some somebody that took some stuff that didn't belong to him. It belongs to the Lord. You know, you can't take what belongs to the Lord and use it for your personal gain. I'm not going to go in all the story of, so uh, when Joshua went to Ai, they said, oh, you only need to send two to 3,000 men. So they sent 3,000 men because Ai was small. And, and the Israelites who had just conquered Jericho, they came to Ai. They got their little butts whooped. Ai killed 36 men and ran them out of the city and was smoting them as they were running. And so what does Joshua do? He, he gets before the Lord. He gets into the presence of God. He inquires of God. God told him what you need to do. You need to, you need to cleanse the camp. And found out that Achan had taken some of the gold, some of the silver, and he buried it in his tent. He did it. He took it and he hid it. 
It was a secret sin, but it affected the whole camp. But after they dealt with the sin, God had a plan of victory. Amen? So Jacob or Joshua turned around and defeated Ai. You might be like Samson, who lost his strength, lost his sight, and lost his love. But he was at a grinding wheel. And the Bible says something amazing. His hair began to grow. You guys are getting some miracle grow tonight. And as his hair began to grow, what did he do? He prayed. He said, God, give me strength one last time that I may take vengeance on the Philistines for plucking out my eye. And who does, who does vengeance belong to? It belongs to the Lord. God wanted to destroy the Philistines too. So, guess what? Samson prayed. He got strength. He told the boy to put him by the pillars. And he pushed and he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life in one moment. Amen? What was his key to recovery? Prayer. All right? Peter, who denied knowing the Lord three times. He was the Lord's closest follower. He was his most, avid, his most adamant defender. Peter. Peter, who got out of the boat and walked on water. Peter, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, who was in the room with Jairus' daughter. He denied knowing him three times. People would say, religion would say, oh, Peter's washed up. He's done. There's no future for him. But God had a future for him. He met Jesus on the shore. They had a little shore lunch. And he reaffirmed his love for Jesus. And wouldn't you know, who preaches on the day of Pentecost but Peter, the one who denied knowing him, and he preached the gospel and 3,000 people get born again in one moment. That's a recovery. Amen? How about Jacob? He worked for his uncle 20 years. He worked 14 years for his first wife. Because he ended up with a second wife that he didn't want. So he had to work another 14 years. Then he just added six more years to it. But in that 20 years, Laban changed his wages 10 times. You know he wasn't getting a raise. Amen? I'm frustrated with this company. They don't respect me. They don't pay. Maybe you need to change you. Jacob had a vow with God before he ever got to leave. You know, Jacob vowed to tithe. He said, Lord, if you bring me back home safe, if you clothe me and you feed me, I will give you all. I'll give you a tithe of all. Jacob was a tither. He, he became a tither before he met Laban. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> God gave Jacob a dream on how to multiply sheep. With peeled sticks. 
peeled bark. Right? Like a barber's pole. And he put the peeled bark before the sheep who were strong. And he didn't put it before the sheep that were weak. So Jacob got all the strong sheep. But Laban ended up with all the weak sheep. And Laban's sons in Genesis 31, they said, Jacob has taken all of our wealth. He went from having his wages changed 10 times in 20 years to being more wealthy than his employer. You talk about a recovery? Jacob recovered all, didn't he? I'll give you one more. Hallelujah. One more quick recovery. Esther. The Jews had a law against them that was going to annihilate them, destroy them. Who do you think was behind that? The devil, because he seeks, kills, steals, kills, and destroys. And Mordecai heard about it. Mordecai, he ended, he, he saved, he did something good for the king. And it was recorded in their history books. And he told, when he heard that the decree had been signed, he went to the gate, he put on sackcloth and ashes, because you couldn't go in the gate with sackcloth, but you, you could be outside the gate. So he was outside the gate with sackcloth, ashes, carrying on. Esther's like sending servants out to put clothes on him. And, she, and he's like, tell Esther this is what the deal is. She said, well, I can't go before the king because I haven't been summoned. So what did she do? She fasted and she prayed. She said, tell all the Jews to fast and to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray for three days. Right? And for three days, they're fasting and praying and seeking God. And God gives an answer to Esther. She goes before the king. She says, if I perish, I perish. I'm going before the king. See, she came out of that prayer closet with boldness, with confidence, with a fierceness. She did not fear death. And she, and so Mordecai went from weeping and wailing to rejoicing. Because Esther went before the king. The king showed her favor, right? Haman, who built a gallows for Mordecai, got hung on his own gallows. Can you say amen? And the king gave Mordecai all of Haman's house. That means he gave him all of his goods, all of his possessions, all of his bank accounts, all of his shoes, all of his closets, all of his robes, every all of his donkeys, all of his horses, all of his chariots. Mordecai took possession of the person who wanted to kill him. Hallelujah. And the Jews were saved from annihilation. And in Esther 9, they said, this day is a day of rejoicing. Because he turned our mourning into joy. God's about to turn your mourning into joy tonight in the name of Jesus. He'll turn your sorrow into dancing. Some of you just need to move your feet. Hallelujah. Now, I know that God gave me this message for a reason. Some of you came here tonight, you're down, 
you were feeling out of place, you were feeling overwhelmed, you were wondering how it's going to work out, how's this problem going to solve, how am I going to recover what I lost, I did this, I did that, doesn't matter, the blood is more powerful than what you did, the blood will cover, the blood will wash you, the blood will cleanse you, and you'll come out smelling like a rose. I know that there are some people here in here tonight that fit that bill. Tonight, you can recover all. And you can recover quick. Amen? If you came in here weighted down and heavy, you can leave here free. You can leave here full. You can leave here satisfied. God, the Bible says he'll satisfy your mouth with good things. He'll set your feet a dancing. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. You may have walked in moaning, but you'll leave rejoicing. Yes. Hallelujah. If that's you tonight, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to come up front in the name of Jesus. You don't have to be embarrassed. Tonight is your night. God gave me this message for you. Amen. There's some people in here that need to recover some things. You've lost some things. You've experienced heartache and pain. And tonight.